1: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Joe Biden's obsession with climate is why our gas prices are high. It has nothing to do, well, it has something to do with Vladimir Putin, but... The enslavement to the climate people is the real reason why. And he doubled down on that last night in a speech to the Democratic National Committee at a fundraiser. Uh, He's uh, trying to save you and me an extra $500 a year. Wow. Thanks, Joe. We're going to uh, give us energy tax credits if we convert to solar. I I guess the conversion's free. Uh, We're going to get uh, a tax credit if we get new windows. Are the windows free? I don't think so. don't think so. So this is all nonsense economics. Everything they do is nonsense economics. Let's spend more money to bring inflation down. The Build Back Better plan, which was uh, stopped by Joe Manchin. Thank you, Joe. Biden wants to bring it back in pieces. And the piece he wants to prioritize first... Is, of course, the climate piece. Yes. He's pounding on Ford and GM to make all-electric vehicles. And I don't mean, like, one vehicle that's all-electric. He's pounding on them to make every vehicle all-electric. GM says it'll do it by perhaps 2035. That's only 14 years from now. What'll gas be by then? $12 a gallon? Ford says by 2030... Half their vehicles will be EVs. Xi Jinping might have something to say about that, since the batteries are made in China. Vladimir Putin might have something to say about that, since the raw materials, many of them, come from Ukraine. Which will probably cease to be in existence in what? A month? Two months? Three months? Biden tells the uh, DNC deep-pocketed donors last night. All this proves we can deal with climate and jobs. This creates a lot of jobs. So they're going to convert all the vehicles that Ford and GM are making to EVs. That's going to create a lot of jobs, is it? Where are the people going to go who are building the gas-powered vehicles? Are they going to go away? Or are they going to be the same people? I would think they're going to be the same people or some of them will go away because the older we get, the older a factory gets, what happens? Have you seen the inside of a U.S. auto manufacturer lately compared to 15 years ago? You know what? what is in there a lot now that wasn't in there 15 years ago? Robots. Robots are in there. How's this going to create more jobs? He never says. He leaves out the bothersome detail. The part that would actually prove his point, that part he leaves out. And he went on prattling on about wildfires and tornadoes and high wind storms. And (laughs) this is the inanity of his position and the environmentalist position. Just because weather goes bad does not mean it went bad because the made-up Mother Nature was mad about something you did to her climate. Just an act of God. Oh, I can't mention God. No, Democrats. No, no, God. God does not exist. What? We're God. We are God. We can control the climate. We can control everything. We can control whether a man is a woman. We can control whether the woman of the year is a, uh, is a, is a person with male uh, anatomy. They can control everything. They cannot control the American voter, however, although although they may, don't give up, they may try. They have tried. They were probably pretty successful, Mark Zuckerberg was, in the last election. I'm not saying it was stolen, I'm saying it was fiddled with, finagled with, massaged. It is interesting to note that as the White House is blaming the price of gas on Vladimir Putin, and here's Jen Psaki doing that. You may have noticed this week that your gas prices have gone up. I want to talk to you a little bit about why. A lot of it has to do with Vladimir Putin. <laughs> U.S. production of oil and gas is rising. In fact, in the first year of the Biden
0: presidency, there was more oil and gas produced in the United States than in the first year of the Trump presidency.
1: Okay, I've explained how and why this is a lie before. I'm going to bring it from a different perspective now. First of all, like you can't compare your gas production now to the Trump gas production in the first year. Because, again, Trump was ramping it up. He was digging out of the crummy, stupid Obama policies. You have to compare it to what you inherited from the previous administration, which would be the last year of Donald Trump. They never do that. Why do they not do it? Because it would make them look bad. That's why. But from another perspective, isn't it interesting that we are told ad infinitum that we do not want to have more domestic energy, Mayor Pete. We don't want to have more domestic energy, do we?
0: We also need to make sure that uh, uh, we're not galloping after permanent solutions to immediate, short-term problems.
1: We don't want a permanent solution, Mayor Pete. Said. We're not gallop. We're not going to gallop after it. We're going to walk slowly, calmly, with decorum. Maybe as we walk, people will stop driving, give up. Find $50,000 in their cow's cushions to buy an electric vehicle. They don't want permanent solutions. But isn't it interesting? They don't want permanent solutions. Yet she's crowing about we're producing more than they did under Trump, which is a lie. But again, it is playing two sides that are at odds. You cannot be Mayor Pete Energy. Uh, 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 what is he? He's not an Energy Secretary. He's. Um, transportation secretary he's saying "Ah, oh, we don't want permanent solutions and she's saying oh we're drilling we're we're really the gas is rolling in brother those are two incompatible positions as senator josh Hawley of missouri points out he has boasted about shutting down american energy production you can't have it both ways you can't say that oh we are shutting down american energy production we are happy to do that we're no more drilling no more exploration. You can't say that at one time and then turn around later and say, oh, but we're for, we're for increasing it. You know, we, We've tried to increase it. It's just not true. It's not credible. Even now, their policies are throttling down American energy production. And even now, they're saying that, oh, no, we shouldn't drill more. We shouldn't pump more. We shouldn't do more biofuels. What we ought to do is clean energy You know, sometime in the future, who knows when, rely on China for all of those component parts. Uh, it's just not credible at all. Again, the American people know that. They do know that. Their votes will reflect that in the fall. In case you forgot, uh, Joe Biden on the campaign trail?
0: No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends.
1: And in case you wonder why oil companies were hesitant to continue to invest in drilling as the presidential campaign continued and Biden crept ever closer in the polls to Trump and increasingly looked like he would win because things like this resonated in the minds of oil company executives.
0: I've been against Keystone from the beginning.
1: Mm -hmm. So, Joe Biden has brought about the very issue that he's now trying to blame on Vladimir Putin. Uh, You do not You do not need to be a oil industry analyst. You do not need to be particularly even smart to notice the difference and to notice the lie. So what will happen? What will be the consequence of all that? We do have midterm elections coming up. The House generally thought to be headed toward the Republican side. Thirty one Democrats are retiring. Why are they retiring? It's a good gig. It's a really good gig. Get free health care, make about two hundred grand, position yourself for a lucrative spot as a lobbyist after. Why are they retiring? Because they don't like losing. They're looking for other offices they can run for. Tim Ryan, Ohio. He's term limited out. He can't run, so he's running for Senate. So what about that? What about the Senate race? What about the Ohio Senate race? What is the latest poll show? And what does it tell us as we look at the Senate races that are up for grabs. More Republicans are up for re-election than Democrats because a third of the Senate runs every two years. We'll assess that situation and give you the latest on the Ohio polls next on the Bruce Hooley Show. So we had Mike Gibbons, the front-runner for Senate on the Republican side of the ticket on the show last week. He continues to lead in the polls and there's a lot of thought that gibbons is ahead and has made a jump in the last three polls since early february because he is predominantly the one spending a ton of money on tv matt dolan is spending a ton of money on tv and radio you just heard of matt dolan spot but gibbons started spending before dolan now i think dolan's commercials are well done And I'm a little surprised that the number of law enforcement agencies have gone political by endorsing a candidate. I am a little surprised by that. Free country, they can do what they want. I'm just saying I'm surprised by it. But the primary is supposedly May the 3rd, so Mike Gibbons has less than two months to hang on to the lead that he has. But what kind of lead does he have? Does he have an insurmountable lead? No. Why? Because about 40% of the people who are polled say they are still undecided. What could help them decide? Well, of course, a Donald Trump endorsement would weigh heavily with a lot of them. So here is a story in The Hill about the Senate race. And one of Rob Portman's aides, and Portman, of course, is the retiring senator, Notes that Gibbons, being an investment banker, a guy who's put $11 million into his own campaign, or at least he has budgeted that, he hasn't put it all in yet, but he's put like $7.5 million into it, so far with another $3.5 million holding back for, I'm sure, what will be a heavy ad spend in the two to three weeks leading up to the primary. Here's what the Portman aide says. It's a clear sign that when you're able to self-fund and own the majority of the airwaves early telling your story, you can move numbers. The question is whether or not those numbers will hold as the others ramp up advertising. It's too early to tell. Yeah, Josh Mandel, who was the early frontrunner, and Josh Mandel was the early frontrunner, I think, because he had name recognition. He'd run for Senate before. Gibbons has run for Senate before, but honestly, I don't remember him running for Senate before. Mandel's been out there. He's been state treasurer. He's been on TV. And Josh Mandel is a guy who just commands attention. Mandel, Jane Timken, J.D. Vance are all crowding trying to get into the field. Matt Dolan was below all of them in the last poll that I saw. But because Gibbons has risen to the top and it's because of his ad spend that he's most likely risen to the top, one analyst says the reason Gibbons is on top is because people don't know who's running and the only guy they've seen commercials from is Gibbons. And so when they're asked, they go, yeah, I'll vote for Gibbons. Now there could be some of that. But I do think Gibbon's commercials are effective. And I think Gibbon's story is a story that Democrats don't like because, oh, he's a rich guy, so he's got to be bad, right? Rich, he's been successful, probably took advantage of people on the Well, he's a banker, oh, investment banker, ooh, 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 evil. Quick, get me a wooden cross and a stake to drive it through his heart. But Republicans don't think like that. And that's who Mike Gibbons has to impress in order to get the nomination and then he'll run against screaming Tim Ryan and then Gibbons will appear sane next to that knucklehead. And Ohio is a center-right state, it voted for Trump and I would think I would think Gibbons' chances of getting a Trump endorsement are greater in the general than they are in the primary. I think the primary is too close. For Trump to take the risk of endorsing Mandel, Vance, Timken, or Gibbons, he's not going to endorse Dolan. That's out the window. He's definitely not going to endorse Dolan. And he has said that. And Dolan knows that. And Dolan seemingly does not care. But in the general, Trump might endorse because he might think, ah, I won the state by eight points. I'm going to bet. On Gibbons, winning that state, my endorsement will help him win that state. It's almost like insider training. It's almost like when LeBron buys Blaze Pizza or Beats headphones and then advertises those on TV or Sprite, and people drink it, and then guess what? LeBron's wealth goes up because people buy the product because LeBron endorses it. Well, with Trump, he wants to further his own agenda which his agenda is always growing the Trump brand. So if Trump endorses a candidate in the primary and that candidate loses, oh, the national media will take great delight and say, look, look, Donald Trump's candidate in Ohio lost. Donald Trump's influence is diminishing. And if Trump decides he wants to run for president, that would be something that would hurt him in terms of his relevancy. His impact. But if Trump waits until the general and he thinks, look, Gibbons has already got like a five-point lead, a six-point lead. It's outside the margin of error. If I endorse him, he'll get another like 8 to 12% bump. That'll put him over the top. Ergo, I'm going to endorse him because then it'll make me look good. That I could see happening. So Gibbons, in an Emerson poll in February... Led by seven. March, a super PAC that supports J.D. Vance had a poll. He was up four. Gibbons was up four. Fox News poll last week showed Gibbons with a two-point edge. that means the edge is coming down? No, it just means the polls are conducting different uh, groups of people. Gibbons should be more happy that he's on top of all three polls and he should be concerned about his margin being less in each one. So here are a couple comments from a couple... GOP strategists unidentified in this piece on the Hill. Mike Gibbons is delivering the message that he is Trump tough without sounding like a buffoon. He is where you want to be two months out. Anybody who's telling you anything otherwise is totally spinning it, another GOP strategist said, about whether Gibbons is the front runner or not. He's a nominal frontrunner, but he is the frontrunner, and it all has to do with his TV spend and the lack of negative ad dollars spent against him. Yeah, this is where I think the race is really going to get interesting. Josh Mandel I've described many times as a pit bull, almost as a rabid pit bull. Josh Mandel is, and I mean this in the motivational sense, desperate to win this race. Because if he doesn't win it and he had the lead early, it doesn't look good for Josh Mandel's future political prospects. The Senate is a gold star political job. You don't have to run for office every two years like you do when you're in Congress. You don't even have to. It's not, as, it's not as difficult, I don't think, getting elected to the Senate as it is getting elected president, because you've got one state, you can blanket the state, you can go around. And if you're in a Republican state, like Ohio is a Republican state, you just go, 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 go into the rural areas, And you build up your support there, and you use that as a firewall against the people in the inner city who are always going to vote Democrat, no matter who the candidate is. So if Josh Mandel loses in the Senate race, and he was in the previous Senate race against Sherrod Brown, and then he dropped out, and a lot of people think he dropped out because he thought he was going to lose, and he didn't want to lose, didn't want that on his record. I don't know what Josh Mandel's political future is. So I say that because Mandel is such a pitbull. How long is he going to wait before he goes on the attack against Mike Gibbons? And how is Mike Gibbons going to handle being criticized, vilified by Josh Mandel? Mandel's going to hit him, and anybody else who decides to run a negative ad against Mike Gibbons are going to hit him on something he said about abortion back in 2018 said he opposed it but he was quote not a woman and was pro-people that answer will be used i'm not saying it was but i'm saying it will be used as not pro-life enough now gibbons now says i'm 100 pro-life so i don't know that there's a lot of room there for people to criticize him but what else are you going to criticize him for can't criticize him for being rich because J.D. Vance is rich, Mandel's rich, and Timken's rich. So, and Dolan is super rich. So, the only place I see Gibbons vulnerable is on abortion. So, that's where he'll be hit.